Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything Room Escapes. Today it's just Man Pans and I, and we are here because we want to discuss a paper called the Trust Spectrum. So this is exciting. We were on we were on the Facebook enthusiast group, and Scott Nicholson shared oh, a paper with us. Before we get into that, oh, before I, we get into that, sorry, what do you want to talk about? Can I quickly talk about Amsterdam? Oh, yeah, we can. That... We can also talk about it throughout the whole thing too. You know, okay. did you read the Trust Spectrum? Yes. Oh, that's good. I Yay. did. Yay! So you did your homework, so this is well. Uh, well. yeah, we'll yeah, see sure, how fuzzy it is. I think you can talk about. It's you just can a talk quick about thing. the Amsterdam thing. Yeah, I don't mind. Okay. I'm surprised you don't want to talk about it more than just the thing at the beginning. Oh, well, probably, but I mean, it hasn't happened yet, so... No, I know, anyway. but you can just talk about how excited about you are. What okay. more detail about it? Okay, uh, just a quick thing that I will be going um, to up the game in the Netherlands in... Oh, good crap. I guess by the time this airs... One week in like three days, I think. Holy crap. So yeah, I'm going on May 6th for the Up the Game conference in Breda. And it is on May 7th and 8th. Didn't we have a podcast with the organizer of Up the Game for last year? Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. So after, after, uh, after having that interview... The Up Get the Game sounded really awesome, and so I decided to go this year. I'm just going as an attendee. It's going to be super fun, and basically I'll be covering all sorts of fun things I'll be doing uh, for the podcast while I'm there. So if you are there, if you are going to the conference, come find me because, you know... Will you be wearing the diva shirt so people of can figure I'll out? Be okay. The diva will you shirt. also wear a Prexit shirt? Of course, I'm wearing so the Prexit. So people will be able I'll to have figure a variety out. Okay. Of, I have that, the Prexit shirt, and my like LV spirit. The other. Oh, good, the, good. The so all one. escape all room, escape room rated. theme shirts that okay. I will be wearing. Because un- no. unlike a normal con, it doesn't make sense to wear your geek shirts. I mean, it, it does th- in case you're trying to find a significant other. But if you want to, you know, <laughs> if you if you want to somehow. Uh, advertise that you're man pans uh, of yeah, room escape that divas plan. and that yeah. you like <laughs> escape rooms. Yeah, so I'm super excited. It's my first trip overseas. So I'm acting like I'm the first person who's ever traveled overseas. And I'll probably act like the first person who's ever had jet lag and ever taken a train in Europe. So, but it'll be very exciting. I'm already meeting up with a, with a few people there. I know that David and Lisa and I are going to meet up. I know I'm going to see Julia and Ariana. Um, and who are they? You might want to say who all of these... I mean, everybody probably knows who David and Lisa are. Right, David are. and Lisa of Room Escape Artist. I'm going to see... I just <laughs> I just called them the wrong name. <laughs> Sorry. It's Ariel. <laughs> I said Ariana. Anyway, I'm, make, I'm meeting the folks uh, from... Um, who did uh, Escape Room in a Box, the werewolf experiment, and all sorts of other people. So Like who? Like who? Yeah, I don't know who you're meeting up with. Well, I don't know either. That's why I said all sorts of oh, people. Okay. It's so, not, it's oh, okay. it's not t- planned it's TBA, me. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a couple of people that I'll probably, I think, you know, I'm planning on. Like, obviously, I know that Jake from Escape Maze is going, so I'll probably see her at the conference at Although some point. Although you can see her at any point in time. I can see but her at any point in time. it'll be good to do a room with yeah. her as well. We've <laughs> yeah. actually never done a, a escape Oh, I don't think with. I'm doing a room with her. I'm just oh, okay. seeing her at the conference. Cool. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's my quick announcement. So that's happening on May uh, 7th, 8th and 9th. I'm sorry. I'm, I shouldn't have done this just after I woke up. <laughs> you were sleeping? That's why we bit. couldn't get the podcast going. Is that you why were you sleeping? were impatient? Well, no, I was just thinking, I thought we said two. And no, was, you, well, you said no worries. So I, I thought said that, no worries. It didn't have to be Mike and Ruby. Mike oh, and Ruby okay. weren't able to join us. No worries. Yes. Like, don't come up. Oh, so. no, 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 no. Because, you know, pretty soon okay. my daughter will come home and then we have to watch K-drama. So... Oh, you I see. know, Is that why? after okay. a while, we can't, we won't be able to do this. Th- that's okay. I had a lot of time to read up also on the paper as well. Okay. Anyway. anyway, we are here to discuss this post. Um, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Do you know how to pronounce his name? We probably should have listened to some sort of YouTube to see how uh, you could pronounce his up, name. But it may, his here. name is like Rafe Raf Coaster. And he has a website called Raph Coaster website, R-A-P-H-K-O-S-T-E-R. And he is a game designer. And he has this wonderful, wonderful article, and it's called The Trust Spectrum. And he's mostly talking about game design and also multiplayer games in the video game aspect, in the video game genre. But The Trust Spectrum is it's interesting because as i said scott nicholson shared it this is so is this kind of like almost a mini sequel to our talk with uh our last interview that we had with linda who was talking about um team building mm-hmm. would you yeah would you say like i think yeah scott had posted it and i'd started to read it and then i mentioned it to errol like there were some terms in there that were familiar to team building as well and it kind of the concept sort of reminded me of that are you pulling up the article now or oh i already have it here i'm scrolling through it so there's no pulling at all anyway yes but there were also other aspects the main reason that scott shared it was because of a particular sentence and that sentence was about, pl- well, actually, the topic is playing with strangers. <laughs> and I know this is a highly, see, Mad Pans doesn't want to do this podcast because oh. it's, it's like one of those controversial kind of discussions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have the quote here. If, and, if, oh, um, yeah, and Mad Pants doesn't like like these controversial. She didn't. She wasn't very happy about last week's controversial discussion because there was controversy. You made it all clickbaity. No, oh, I didn't. The title wasn't clickbaity at all. Oh yes, it was the title. The title, but the words leading up to the title. So, like, so the title wasn't clickbaity. There was, you go. It it usually, it's like, the title that has to be clickbaity. It's oh, it's just the title. So like posting a thing that said like think posting a thing in big bold letters that is like team building is bad for screen. It wasn't in big rooms bold are bad letters. For team building. Watch the episode here. I, I didn't building. make it in bold letters. La, I just la, said la, that la, as la. a personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, someone was walking their dog when the most amazing thing happened. Yeah, but that's Click the title here. still. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it wasn't a title. It was all in my description. Anyway, what was the anyway, quote that okay, you have? I'm just pulling it up on the drive. So the summary that Scott posted on there uh, were a few points from the document, which is that when it comes to like trust in games, people are actually v- pretty wary of 
quote, games about trust, at least when described that way. But when we go further down, there's a couple of other points about, like, uh, people prefer, in order, that these are the types of games they prefer. Competing with friends, co-op with friends, competing with strangers, and then trailing way behind cooperating with strangers. And the first three were clustered pretty tightly. Meeting new people was of less interest than deepening existing friendships and trusting new people on your team was right out. So basically saying nobody likes randoms is is what he's saying. And that's when Errol thought, whoa, controversy. And said, well, I think we can it. discuss that. Yeah, we can discuss that. I think that. What yeah. we can t- discuss the paper because it goes into great detail about why. And we also want to make we want to make it clear that you know we have made games where people play with strangers. We yeah. know, yeah. We we know that you know for the most part, a lot of people don't like playing with strangers, and yet due to how we've structured the game or due just making it even feasible to run the game, we've had to make people play with strangers. Like that, we personally, yeah. Like uh, our escape events, six players. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, six players. Oh, it's like if people didn't have a team of six, they'd be yeah, joined up. They'd be joined up with strangers. That's true. <laughs> even s- even with our train event with no, four people, <laughs> they had to play with strangers. Remember right. we made those? Yes. No, I, I okay, okay, okay. I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> and the way, for example, when the train was run, you know, it was uh, four players at a table we didn't have very many tables, so they had to sit with each other. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't want to. Some people were quite adamant that they didn't want to. But Yes, some people were would, would have preferred to just... I think two people had teammates that didn't show up or something, and they were quite happy about that. They would rather play with an incomplete team than have to be joined up with strangers. Yes, very much so. But because of how it worked, because of how it was set up... Because we didn't have very much space, we had to, we had to have people play with strangers, and and but what what we did in the first time we we did have six, mm-hmm. and then we tried to cut that down to four, so that there was an easier chance of people to create teams with teams of four. If you had a hard time creating a team with a team of six, then uh, we tried to make it easier for people to find complete teams because. We know. I mean, we don't like playing with strangers, and we want to play with our friends. But, however, when it comes to large games, if you need 12, Mm -hmm. or if you're visiting, we also know that if you're visiting a town and you want to play an escape room, then you need to find people that you can play strangers with. Mm. But, you see, what's not common here, I know it's more common in the States where you have, like, 12 people rooms. We only have one company here in Toronto that does 12 or more people in a room. True. For everything else, it ranges between 2 and 8. Yes. And so when we when and the the 12 player room is actually one that we would recommend, the the company that does the 12 player, player yeah, rooms. Yeah, we do recommend it. But we do tell them that, you know, it's 12 people. And so if you're the two going in with a group of 10, it's not some it's not really that fun as a group of 2. Like I've been now, it wasn't horrible, but I have been where it was just me and another friend, and we joined another group of 10. Okay. But now, yeah. we were the more experienced of them, so we just knew what to do. And so that gave, and I'm also an extrovert, so it also gives me more confidence to actually just say, oh, I think this is how you solve it. Right. But 
it was pretty obvious they, that the 10 all knew each other and quite happy just to go ahead and not really include us. Not that they were trying to be, you know. Well, I do find that there's that, like, if you have two or three big groups in a in, within a group of 12, that people tend to break off into their own factions. Mm-hmm. And they spend a minimal amount of time actually interacting with one another. And I know that, like, I've... <laughs> I've seen people post on the Facebook wall and I've seen people maybe do something in Slack, although not really in Slack, is when they'll say, like, I made some of my best friends in an escape room, like, from all the randoms that I met. But I feel like that's actually an outlier. I don't feel like that's the case in most most of the time, is that you go into a room, you play with strangers, and then you become friends after the fact. No, I have played rooms with with pre-vetted strangers because they're friends of friends friends of friends or friends of enthusiasts or we've played rooms with enthusiasts and then we can trust that they know what they can do anyway let's get back to the trust spectrum yeah i did look up how to pronounce his name it's raf coster raf coster <laughs> and he has rafcoster.com if you go on youtube you can see a number of 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 videos and talks that he has done and it's very and it's pretty cool he has one even on the history of 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 multiplayer games and he talks about muds (laughs) haha we know intimately about yes yes (laughs) he also has a he also has a post where he's talked about trust at great length and that's a completely separate blog post the Mm -hmm. one that was linked by scott nicholson is about trusted groups and how you design for them so instead of talking about how structures emerge when trust is absent, which is, which is usually what happens when you go play a room with strangers. I think the point of this article is trying to design a room where you do have that trust absent, where, you know, you, there's a good high chance that you will play with strangers. And so this is not simply just a, just a podcast where we want to bash on rooms where you have to play <laughs> with strangers. No. But if you do play with strangers, that maybe you should look into somehow designing the room so that it, it can accommodate the low trust. Because for the most part, escape rooms are a high trust game. Right. So maybe we should define some terms at this point. Yeah. Which is games that have a what's known as fall on the low trust spectrum, games that fall on a medium trust spectrum, and games that fall on a high trust spectrum. Now the article, he loves soccer, by the way. He thinks. Well, maybe he's just using soccer because <laughs> I know, no, it's something it's, that we can all understand. No, no, no. It's Except great. me, I don't understand it. So. He keeps bringing it up. But anyway, <laughs> he's not just talking about video games or any or board games. He's talking about all games. So low trust games. Do you want to try to do this? No, yeah, Give why? Me an I think example of a low trust game. I'm, I'm assuming that uh, you know what it is. Uh, I can give bit. you an example of. Well, we should give you the parameters of a low trust yes. game. Okay. So a low trust game, I think one of the features was that it was called. Uh, it features a lot of what's known as parallel play, mm-hmm. which means that players are often doing the same thing, but it really doesn't affect one another. So if like you're playing a video game in which you're both shooting at targets, but you all each have your own targets. And the goal might be to get the most targets, but for the most part, 
nothing nothing either one of you do is going to affect the other person. So you can't shoot each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when, they like... pl- when they played our puzzle hunt, it was pretty much parallel play. Everybody could be playing all at the same time, but for the most part, they did not affect each other. And that would be considered low trust. That would be considered low trust. Because, you know, you can't affect the other person. You don't have to trust the other person. Right. To not, not screw you up. Yeah. And that's that's basically low trust. Medium trust is where players have specific key overlaps. For example, an ability that all players can have, but they can specialize otherwise. Wait, wait, wait. I thought we were still talking about the elements for low trust oh, and okay. high is trust. Oh, okay. Yeah, because okay. there was parallel play. Parallel play. The next one is asymmetry. Right. And this is how different are the teammates from one another when it comes to what they are can and cannot do in the game and that's where we get into things like roles and classes right so if you have if your if your game is very symmetric Mm -hmm. in other words everybody can do everything and it doesn't really matter then that's low trust in other words and and then if if your game is asymmetric in other words every person has different things to do then it becomes more high trust because you have to rely on the other person and then so when we talk about roles these are how many, here's the definition, how many strategic objectives or ways to play are there? And then using the soccer example, he has people like a goalie and then a striker. I have so, no idea who a striker is. A though. striker is, <laughs> I actually don't know. There's like, I know them as different roles. Like a forward is, is your person who's going to score all the goals. You have your defense who stick back and protect. You have your midfielders who support the, forwards who can score but you know they're mostly there to just as a support role i actually just stop listening because you're talking sports okay (laughs) (laughs) but anyway like it it, as far as that a soccer is a very asymmetrical sport because it has many different roles um that all depend on one another and they all have different uh, but but it's interesting because it also spans the low the low trust spectrum correct because yeah. you don't really need to use those roles right so you could have a bunch of 5 year olds all just running at the ball and they'll still have a fun time and it's still soccer correct so he was talking we'll talk about that later we'll talk about that later so yeah. you have roles uh, how many kind of I think in an escape room and it's the same in escape room you can have roles in escape room they're not predefined right. but when you become when you become more experienced at doing escape rooms then you start to fall into different roles you so, will find people some people are the searchers for example some people are those that are the overseers and can see the whole picture some are really good like man pans you're a really good person at you know doing math and doing logic the math and the logic yes. and the reading that's my job yes but like an example of a symmetrical game i think he was mentioning is something like monopoly or risk in which you're all going in with the same you're all given the same well, chess tools. is a best, better uh, example of a symmetric game. Right. Because each person, you take one term after the other, and each of you have the exact same pieces. You have the exact same resources available to you. Yes. You have the and that's, same, and that's yeah. the next third. So we have parallel play. Yeah. Um, asymmetry, which involves role in classes. And finally, we have resource pool sharing, ma- meaning how our team resources allocated. Mm-hmm. And if... If everybody has their own resources, then it's low trust. But once you start sharing resources, 
then it becomes high trust. And right. escape rooms tend to be, uh, y- it's shared. Everything's shared. The time is shared. You all have um, a limited amount of time to do it. It's not like each of you gets an individual key to go into and open up a box. All of that, all of the resources in an escape room is right. pretty much shared. And it's you all pooled. have to, it's yeah. pooled and you all have to allocate who yes. gets to, it's very common, like when there's one puzzle and there's 12 people and you're waiting for that one person before you can go to the next thing and nobody yeah. else can do anything. So it's completely, for in that aspect, it's it's high trust. Yes. Yeah. So, so we could try. We can try our best to try to keep things to escape rooms. We can apply all of these things to well, escape rooms. Well, I'm curious rooms. how how they do apply to escape rooms. Yeah, that's what we're yeah, talking that's about. What we're here <laughs> yeah. to, to do. Just it's important to define these things. So yeah, the higher, like you said, the more resources you have to allocate, the more roles and classes you might have within a game, the higher trust that game becomes. You need to depend on other players more. He brings up, again, this is a sports one, but he brings up like an extremely high trust game would be something like volleyball in which a player spikes a ball and it just has to trust that the player that they are depending on is going to be there at the right time. Not only that, but they have to do, they each have, as far as sharing resources, they have to cover different areas of the court, that kind of thing. So the interesting thing about escape rooms is that they are they are a high trust game and we will go even go into further detail on why they are a high trust game mm-hmm. and yet they are marketed to low trust people and only to low trust people because that's the only type of people that are no no that's not true that's that's the mainstream and they're the ones that are doing your rooms mm-hmm. so it's like saying that you have soccer and you only market to the five-year-olds because the five-year-olds are the ones that are going to be coming um, and playing once. And then you have the enthusiasts, and they're kind of up there when it comes to the pro players. But there aren't that many pro players. So it's only all the five-year-olds playing soccer. But it's still... so, And, and the five-year-olds will have a fun time playing soccer, but but that's still your market, and they don't they probably won't even get to the area where where you actually have to have that high trust in order for you to succeed at the escape room. And sometimes they'll luck out and succeed, and for the other times they won't. I'm just wondering, though, like, because some escape rooms, like, we talk about roles and classes, for instance. Mm-hmm. But a lot of escape rooms, you're going in with no real defined role either. No, that's true. Right? Yeah. And most games that you play, you know, like... <laughs> Again, soccer. It is a good analogy. Um, soccer. You you go into a game of soccer. Even you you want to learn the rules of the sport first, right? You mm-hmm. want to know what role you're playing. Where do I go on that field? Whereas in escape rooms and a few other games, you're going in there pretty much blind, but expected to find out what role you're going to play. Mm-hmm. And that makes it really difficult to to make that transition to the high trust if you're playing with strangers. Oh, it's true. I, and I'm not saying that you're going to make the transition to the high trust. Right. But the idea is, is that he tries to assess what makes a good game. Right. And, and I think the, the interesting thing about escape rooms 
is that it is a high trust game. Here, actually, I'll, I'll quote from it. Your audience size is strongly driven by how low your game can go on the trust spectrum. Right. And the escape room can go really low on the trust spectrum for accessibility. So as I said, it's very mainstream. Everybody can think to themselves, oh, I want to go and try out what this escape room is. Because you don't know how difficult it's going to get. It's just like you have a bunch of five-year-olds playing soccer again. Mm-hmm. They don't really, they don't really have to do anything other than just kick that ball, and then they're having a grand old time. But but because it has a, it can go even deeper because soccer can go deeper and has a higher skill ceiling and a mm-hmm. higher depth. It's a, so. In other words, those five-year-olds might return to the game. But yeah. have a deeper sense of how it works now. Oh, and, and how they can they be trained with each other. Right? Yeah, and they can be taught and they can be coached. So high trust games almost certainly have higher skill ceilings and depth. And that's another quote there, and it's true. Um, since an escape room requires an awful lot of high trust, and and we probably should talk about that. Why? It, like, what elements of escape rooms? make it a high trust game oh yeah there's this also final quote yeah it's here the awesome ideal team game would have a seamless ramp of features from no trust all the way through to high trust and i think that's pretty cool about escape rooms you do have that do you yes okay i i would be curious what are what are some of the low trust no 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 no, but aspects of escape rooms Low trust in the fact of, for example, I mean, a super high trust game is trapeze artistry, okay? It's between two people, and if you miss each other, you die. Right. Or at least fall into the net, right? Right. And so, could you get five-year-olds playing that? No, it'd be fun to watch, Right. but it's a super high trust game, Mm -hmm. and there's, and they're trying every, you know, and they still have the trapeze kind of... Uh, or those circus camps where you can do it and they tie ropes to you and hopefully you won't kill yourself as as you... But it's still not something that everybody can do. I'm more talking about the actions you take within the room. Like, yeah. I don't think there's any actions you can take in an escape room that won't affect everybody else. No, but I think it's more along the lines of how easy is it to get into the game. Right. And okay. so in other words, you're not, it's not so much that it's not a high trust game, but can you still play it and still have a fun time? Right. And, and the more you play, the better you get. In other words, can you, can you, can you still succeed if it's your first time? Yes. People have succeeded when it's just their first time. Right. And, but, but it does ramp up to a high, to, to the high trust because you'll just get better. And a lot of it is dependent on the people you are with, and a lot of it is dependent on the game itself. I mean, that's also an interesting thing, is that it depends on how you design the escape room. Mm. You could make a completely horrible escape room that newbies can't do. Right. You know, <laughs> if you're just like, okay, for the first first five minutes, all of you have to go on this balance beam and avoid lasers. Right. Then there's there's no way anybody would do that, be able to do that. No, that's not really a high-trust game, actually. That, that would be a parallel game, but regardless... That would be a parallel game? Well, maybe serial game. You don't trust anybody when you're trying to go across a laser field. It's not right. like you can count on somebody else to, oh, don't don't hit that laser, right? It's right. That's really just a... 
Well, Single that might be resorts. one of those absence of trust things where it's like, I know who I don't trust to go across. <laughs> well, if everybody has to go across. Oh, if everybody. Know. Anyway, okay, that, yeah. that doesn't matter. Yeah. So anyway. So look, we can take a look at it and, and get even deeper into what makes a high trust and a low trust or a no trust game. And so when we get to parallelism and um, asymmetry, there are four things that make up that aspect okay okay so it's not just it's not just you know parallelism and asymmetry but you have teams you do have that roles Mm -hmm. you have agency and you have success metrics sounds good okay teams make sense do you play in teams right teams make sense basically are you playing in teams and escape rooms you're obviously playing in a team. You're playing with six or seven or two or three other people, yeah. right? And that that requires trust. So mm-hmm. if they exist and if they exist and tend to persist throughout the whole game, then that's pretty much a high trust. That's a high trust game. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Rules. No trust is when everybody can do the same things. And high trust is when classes are other forms of high dependency. So for the most part... Roles are pretty much low trust because, yeah. or no trust, because everybody can do the same things. Yeah. You can level up when you're playing, and then you can realize what your main strengths and what your weaknesses are. So you can hand those things off. But I think that's an interesting thing about escape rooms. Unless it's created from the outset to be high trust, like some games will give you a role, like, a, like that. Large scale one we did in which we all had to be like one had to be a, a fighter, one had to be a blacksmith, <laughs> one had, yeah, we hated it. Yeah. Um that was I was I think an example of high trust simply not working by forcing a role on someone they couldn't do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also split team rooms. When you go into a split team room, then you get into more roles and or classes. True, yeah. Agency is control over yourself. Or do you have to do something on behalf of another player? And so, for the most part, it's it's all low, it's pretty much low to medium. Like because you will have connected moves. Some rooms will try and have you press the same button at the same time. If you're in right. a split room, yeah, you will have to tell them, "Okay, I found this. What do you have?" So that can either be between uh, low to high trust, and then finally, is success metrics. What makes you succeed? And low trust is when it doesn't really matter what the other players do. But in escape rooms, <laughs> you only succeed when everybody succeeds. Right. So it's a shared metric. Success is dependent on all of you uh, escaping the room. So right. if man pans loses, then I lose too. Depending on the room. If, I, have... can't, if I can't get that one puzzle that... Oh. But then again, it's it's interesting because then we come back to like resource management it wasn't called management but that, that's the next part but okay. Okay. but the okay. interesting Sorry. thing about success <laughs> metric no it's because there are there are some rooms that will even require you to sacrifice a team member oh, in yeah. order yeah, for yeah. you to win right and so that's <laughs> that's significantly high trust when it comes to an escape room so as you can see when it comes to forms of parallelism and asymmetry we're mostly for the most part in a high trust mm-hmm. aspect of an escape room which makes it really fun the next part that they have is the types of shared resources yes. and and liabilities. Okay. And so for the first one is risk. In other words... What's the risk if we lose? Is that Not, not so much, you know, like what, more so, what's the risk if your trust fails? Okay. Right? So 
for example, if if I decide to sabotage the room, then then the room uh, then we fail the room, right? If we do not have perfect team coordination, like then then you fail. Right. So if we were going up against another team in an escape room, we would have to be on top of our game. So I think the risk is pretty high. Like if Mm-hmm. relatively high if you have like 12 people in there and it's only two people doing the room is it more like two is like if the people that you have decided to trust don't deliver on that would that be the risk factor? yeah 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 pretty much yeah. right you know if you have if errol decides to troll when yeah. we have trusted that he's solved this puzzle mm-hmm. if we have trusted that errol will tell us a solution to a puzzle after yeah. he solved it and yeah then he, he doesn't yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry i'm trolling on errol now but uh and the next one on types of shared resources is information. What information is available to you? Load trust is all the information is available on your stats and your resources. For example, you know exactly what time it is. Right. And you know, may know exactly how many puzzles you have to do. You know exactly how many locks you have to do. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah. And then a high trust would be when you don't have any of that information. You don't know how long, how many, how many rooms are in there. Right. You don't know... How many puzzles are in there? You don't obviously you don't know a lot of information. How to get the answers to those puzzles? How to say, not having all of the information about a room, but it's all of you who don't have that information about a room. Yeah, no, it's no, not that's like the point. Somebody's holding information. And no, you just no, no, have no, to no, trust. no, no, no. But okay. So I thought that would almost make it low trust. You're going in with all the same information, which is nothing. <laughs> but, uh, no, but you need you will acquire information, and and it ha- and it plays into that. that. Eventually, what is like if you share that information? You know, like if you can acquire all the information on your own without anybody else's help, right? Then it's low trust, right? If you if if you require somebody else to get anything. So in other words, while we're in that room, somebody shouts out, there's a secret panel here mm-hmm. or something. That would be the high trust. I didn't know that before, but now I do thanks to my teammate relaying mm-hmm. that to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or in the split room even more so. Right. Then it becomes high trust. Right. And then we get into other ones which don't really matter about uh, exchange. And that's really more for things like money. And well, not really money, but information and how you uh, give information to the other person. It actually, it kind of helps. You have people, as you said, that withhold information uh, and for and will just throw a key in their pocket. Or maybe they are, who knows, they, they are vindictive and want to solve it themselves. And so they will hold on to a piece of clue right, yeah. to show that they are right. they are the winners. So usually, for example, a low trust game where that's not where we we can't trust the players is like when you have some sort of oh I don't know um, computer game that will facilitate the trading of items. Mm. So you give the computer ten dollars, and then another player will give it I don't know the item, and then the computer will handle each person getting it back, getting their their whatever they purchased and whatever they received. Where a high trust is. Is like you know I don't know maybe it's like Kijiji and you can just happily <laughs> I have to trust that someone's not going to hit me over the head when yes. I go and pick up my item. Yeah, or the Nigerian <laughs> or not, prince, or they're not giving me a broken thing. <laughs> yes, right. There's nothing that's there. The game of life. <laughs> yeah, that's there's nothing there that is facilitating 
uh, and and have that have that have rules set in place to make sure that you don't get shafted. Right. That's exchange. Uh, time now, low time pressure, low trust, low time pressure for coordination and asynchronous gameplay. In other words, we're pretty much into the high trust because. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no there's no doubt about that. There's, especially with you, it's 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 probably variable depending on the person. Just just the time in itself probably just makes you upset in general. Oh, I just thought of it like you know if there's if there's more if there's like a tighter timeline that means there's higher trust. Can you elaborate on that more then? Or? No, it's just be, well, some games don't have a time limit. So remember, this is something that applies to games in general. Oh, I thought. Oh, sorry, I was just applying it to escape rooms. Yeah. So oh, so that's super high trust. What makes it high trust? Because of the time limit. Okay. Because there's time limit. Because there's a high time pressure. Yeah. Then it, then it thrusts it into the higher trust ranges. Right. If it was a, if there were no time limit, then we wouldn't really worry too much about it. You know, right. we'll take seven days to complete it. Right. Right. And finally, when it gets to types of shared resources, ownership. And this is something where, as I said before, does each of us get a key to our own box so that we can open up themselves? No, this is in, we we all share, we all share the same time. We don't, yeah. each of us don't get our own time limits. Each of us don't get our own set of clues and hints. So if yeah. we all, we all have to decide when we want a oh, hint. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> We Everything have to trust is that I'm not shared. Run for that for that hint button. <laughs> five minutes in, so it's fun because from the get go, a lot of these areas, escape rooms, are are high trust, and so and that's one of the main reasons why it's really hard to play with new players. Mm-hmm. It's because you're expecting us to trust people in a high trust environment, and there's no reason for us to trust those people. So do you think, because there are a lot of high trust things in escape rooms, do you think there are low trust elements that can be used to like, make that play with strangers a little easier? I would like to say yes. You would like to say yes. I would like That's to say yes. Today I would for. like to say that there are ways to make it a little bit easier. I mean, there's no way for you to complete. I mean, you can't remove it. Because it will still always be a high trust game. Yeah, or just just to make some of those things a little less high. But it is difficult, like you said. Like it's a high trust game with low trust people coming in, and with that timer in there as well. There's there's nothing really natural about you know getting people to transition over to a high trust team unless you're playing with the same team over and over again, right? So if you keep going into a high trust game with the same team, then you will eventually figure out your roles. You will eventually figure out, you know, uh, what you can trust others with and you will eventually become more efficient. So the interesting thing is he does cover this in his paper, in this little article. When you get near the bottom, he, he says, it's easy to design a high trust game. And once you're in that mindset, what's hard is to design for a high and low trust at the same time. And that's what escape rooms have to do. They have to figure out how to get players of low trust into this high trust game and make it fun for them all the time. And for the most part, you know what I think? Because right now, because escape rooms are so new, that players are just quite happy. 
and they'll have the greatest time of their lives. But because it's a low trust game, if you go in with strangers, there is still a chance, a high chance for it to suck because the other players suck. And because of that, they were required to trust them. So what can they do? The thing that Raf says as a solution for this is to be very, very careful and analytical about your interdependencies. The only trouble is a lot of those solutions kind of don't work for escape rooms. So here he has have classes and roles with unique abilities. That's really hard. And that's really hard to do in an escape room. Well, I don't know. Like, is it? I mean, okay, yes, it is. But like, is it impossible, though? Because let's say we're playing a video game, right? And we are, we have to choose a role in this video game. And we know nothing about it. I mean, you know what you're going to do. You're like, I'm the wizard, because you just always love being the wizard. And me, I might pick something at random, because I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea how to play this. Um, and then eventually, like, I will learn that. Is it, a, is it a time factor that makes that hard for escape rooms when you randomly assign roles to people that they won't necessarily be good at? Well, no, I think the, the biggest problem is, is implementing it. And how do you implement it so that, so that it's still fun? So remember going back to that one game that we played? Yes. And we all had roles. We all had roles and we all can... We all were we all were restricted from doing things from yes. doing certain things and we all hated it because we didn't know what the roles did at the beginning i mean they just said okay with this for example the uh what was it the one the magic amulet only one person's allowed to have this magic amulet okay it didn't describe to us what that meant yeah and then all of a sudden we found out mid game that the person with this amulet was allowed to go into this room and then had to describe something to the rest of the group right 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 and i remember for one group they the person that had the amulet had no idea how to describe it right and so they just watched us <laughs> and that wasn't fun for them so i think we didn't we end up switching on and off we ended up no switching. no i don't think we did oh, okay we didn't switch on and off the, the, what you're thinking of is we wanted to do something similar but we made we made the amulet you can trade it with another person right that was in our that our was in our game. our games yeah. right so instead of it being a hard-coded role it now became a role that that you could pass to someone else. So maybe it is about making those roles and classes more flexible, mm-hmm. right? If somebody is given a role and gets immediately overwhelmed by it, um, having the ability to pass it off to another player or to trade it, like that might help with with actually gaining that higher trust. If somebody, for instance, if you see a role... If you see somebody doing a role and they're floundering, having the ability to say, actually, I'm really good at that. Can I try? Um, yeah. Is a way to build that trust to say, like, and if the person have, being super frustrated with it is like, oh my gosh, yes, please. Now they know that player, what their strength is, hopefully. <laughs> I think the bigger yeah. problem still, though, is not so much, is not so much that a person recognize what role they can't do. It's more so 
that when a person doesn't want to give up a role or a person wants to be an mm-hmm. alpha or a person's just a bad player. Yeah. And oh, there's... I, just, I just read about it. I didn't realize it had a name. Or I think you've mentioned it in the past, the quarterback problem. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Or someone that just wants to take over yeah. and just just uh, completely dictate how the game goes. Right. Now, for the most part, it the quarterback problem is is tough in a timed environment. Yeah. So it's, it's not tough to have, in other words. So yeah, because they can't they can't dictate everything. So it's so that's one reason why I really like timed board games. Yeah, I think it mentioned it meant it drew the parallel between pandemic which has can have the quarterback problem mm-hmm. a lot, which I have had, mm-hmm. uh, and then what, space. oh really? You uh, dictate everything. Yeah, too. I, I am a, I am a taskmaster. <laughs> no, Did we explain what the quarterback process? We have say? not. So when oh. when somebody just tries to take over a game, well, if somebody does take over when, a game, when somebody wants, yeah, when somebody takes over a game and basically dictates to everybody, and it doesn't become a team effort, it. These are in cooperative games. It doesn't really become a team effort. It becomes a man or woman um, pulling strings on puppets, basically, just try, just dictating to them what they need to do around the board. And so Pandemic is kind of guilty of this. If you happen to get into a team with somebody who does that, and I have had that happen to me, in which it was just him telling us everywhere to go and us just moving, that's not fun. It's not fun at all. But then there's something like, say, Space Team, another cooperative game, which is super stressful, and um, <laughs> but is timed. And so because it's all so precisely timed, there is really no time for anybody to take over like that because, you know, they, they can't keep track of everything. But again, the problem with all of this is that it's everything is fine and dandy if everybody cooperates. Right, so you can have a low trust room. You can have strangers in a room, and it's perfectly fine as long as you don't have to worry about the randoms being horrible people. Right. <laughs> so that's when it all falls apart. And and what can you do if you run into this situation when you actually have horrible people? How can you make it so that everybody can be part of this game? How can you make it so that every role? is a full game for every person. Like we have done rooms where, for example, the room where Ruby and all she did for 10 minutes was turn a crank. And that wasn't a very fun role for her. And it's like, oh good, I'm tank, or sorry, I'm crank turner. And that's not fun. It was just, but it was her role for 10 minutes. And so what can you, or in your situation where your role at one point in time was to Solve this 15 minutes Sudoku. Okay, it wasn't 15 minutes. How long did it take you to solve that thing? Probably 15 minutes, actually. <laughs> All I know is that something super fun was happening in the other room, and I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think then it's moments, we need more moments of, well, we need more hero moments for people, maybe. I don't know. Or we need more of those moments in which somebody can do a task without it having these far-reaching implications that makes them feel good about it. I don't know. I'm just, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of winging it here, so. Well, I, I think it's more important that you have to find ways to get the players to interact, mm. and they all have to be interdependent on each other. 
And but again, that's, but people can't that's screw it up. Forcing the interaction, and and, and and that's the problem too yeah. with escape rooms is that there aren't external things for them to to stick to a good behavior, other than losing the game. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's not like there's a computer that, that that keeps you from player killing. And then, you know, it's just like, oh, hey, it's free for all. Everybody goes in. Oh, and we're going to give you all knives, but don't kill each other. <laughs> no, we would be, one would hope that nobody's going to kill had each a, other. We had a high trust element in our game that just utterly failed. <laughs> we're going to trust that all of you will steal $2 and only $2. And not from each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't say not from each other. But... We didn't say that, but, you know. So getting back to one aspect is ensure that every role is fun in its own right. Every role is a full game. I think that can help. Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned this, if you can give everybody a chance to do something that's fun, Mm -hmm. then maybe there's a better chance of success and maybe, you know, less. No no weak tasks or puzzles. (laughs) (laughs) So what's an example, say, of... um... And I'm going to use escape rooms because I, I have that noted here. The like, if you want to build a good game, you should have roles and ha- let them have a mixture using sk- using skills of low trust and skills that need high trust. And so what's an example in an escape room of a low trust skill? I'm guessing searching. Like anybody can search that kind of thing. Yes, anybody can search. Anybody can search. Um, that's something that everybody has available to them. Everybody has the ability to talk with each other but that's i would consider that a high trust skill knowing what to say to another person so i'm just trying to think of things that would have a good mixture of low trust because it's hard to think of that for an escape room or something that would encourage people to move towards a high trust in only one game in just one in just one game you will go from a group of ragtag strangers to a highly efficient adventure team i don't know well one way and it is mentioned here and it's something we've always mentioned in regards to difficulty is to ramp up the difficulty don't make it super hard at the beginning give them a chance to get used to the area start off really easy if you for example i have been in rooms where all of a sudden you go in and from the get-go it's open and there are like 10 puzzles available to you right and then just give up. <laughs> just give up. So, yeah, that's a good question then. So would a non-linear game or a linear game be better in that aspect for randoms? I well, think... The problem is you can't go to either end of the spectrum. Right. You don't want to go all linear or all open. And most true, escape rooms... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Most escape rooms are are the mixed, are the branched versions where it's, it's their... They're a mix between linear and a mix between linear oh. and open. Yeah. I think the term is branched. So, mm. but at the very beginning, it should be easy and it should maybe for the most part should be linear. So if you've noticed, I've always done that with my games. Yes. Yes, yes you I have. have. I have. And, if, and games that I've very, liked. Before you crush their souls. Before I crush their souls. You them in with a welcome handshake. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and then 
and then I give them, I even give them a, I, I even give them a task list. Yes. Lisk. I don't know how to pronounce That's things. Okay. I, don't know how to I even give them a task list of what they have to do at the very beginning. So that it's easy. Mm-hmm. And I think, and that's where Scrap did this very well. And it was really hand-holding, but they did it really well for 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 low, for getting people who don't know each other and that many people when it's 12 people into a high-trust game. Mm-hmm. So they made things so that it was pretty, pretty simple. Like, as I said before, they labeled everything. Everything was from A to G. So you know you had puzzles A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And then if you ever found a puzzle that had a little A on it, then you knew that it went with puzzle A. Right. And that helps for a large team that doesn't know anybody. Because now you don't have to think to yourself, I found this A thing. I don't, or, you know, I I, I found found this puzzle. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to do with it. Right. So by taking away some of that, almost some of that correlation, Mm -hmm. you know, or easing that on the players, that allows them to concentrate on other things like interacting with their team. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then people were allowed to, if need be, go around and take a look. And it's like, oh, you're working on G. Mm-hmm. It almost automatically put people into groups as well. And so people didn't have to, were, were self-organizing to go into those groups and to help out with those puzzles. And there were enough puzzles. That's another thing. They had enough puzzles to keep everybody engaged. Right. And you may find that, well, we find that for escape rooms that go to up to 12 people. For the most part, sometimes they don't have enough for 12 people to do. Nope. <laughs> or for five people to do. No. No. And then also if you do the whole let's bottleneck everybody on one puzzle, mm-hmm. then that, that's even worse. Yes, that is. So it sounds like have many things to do, have many roles for people to play, which is difficult, and uh, have a good, well, I mean, have a good natural flow is is good for any design not just for the trust thing but have the the easy to difficult ramping up be a little more obvious i guess if that's your goal in an escape room which is to get people to form a team i did find it interesting from i'm just going back to the beginning here and i'm and i'm reading kind of the summary points about how people like to play with each other and ho ho Really? Really? Oh, my gosh. Okay. But I I, I did enjoy that um, because it's me. I don't like to compete all that often. Mm -hmm. I don't don't like it. But uh, in general, people prefer competing over cooperative play. They like that. And we see that, like, people get really excited when they see a competitive room. Mm -hmm. And... You know, they love the chance to, like, challenge their friends or or that sort of thing. I also enjoyed that, um, or I found it interesting that they found clear gender differences in their surveys that mm-hmm. they made. So women are considerably more wary than men are of, like, high-trust games, apparently. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And women prefer social fun to conflict, and men are the complete reverse. I didn't say it didn't say complete reverse, but I'm putting the word complete in there. <laughs> <laughs> but the but it says but then it goes on to say but these are not the inverse of each other. You might think that conflict with your friends and light social stuff would be contrary impulses, but they're not. But I did find it interesting that like women 
tended to more say like we like the social aspect more than we do like competing with each other it's interesting too that when it comes to booking rooms i remember this question was asked in the facebook owner group like who usually books your rooms and predominantly it was women that booked the rooms yes because they're the most more social people they're the ones that are booking it for their kids or they're booking it for their friends or they're booking it they're the ones that are the organizers and the one taking people out so mm-hmm. so a lot of people will gear their facebook ads towards that demographic and i forget i forget the exact age range what it was but it was mm-hmm. it was those in particular so there you go yeah yeah not many people were interested in cooperating though. <laughs> <laughs> no everyone wants to just destroy each other because that's humanity what are you talking about now? I don't know. <laughs> you weren't paying attention to anything I was you saying. Know, I was. I was oh, okay. Women are the organizers. Yes. And that they were often the ones who. Okay. The okay. So we're then... still talking about gender. Okay. 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 The different. You know. I was just wondering why you suddenly bring up destroying Sorry, each other. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the definition of high trust again, and it was saying that. Uh, the overlap that players have in roles is very minimal, but I wouldn't say that's the case with escape rooms. Well, I think it depends. For lo- for most escape rooms, the majority of people can probably do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not exactly true, but for the most part, everybody should be able to do math. Yes. For the most part, everybody should be able to do, oh, I don't know, fish a key through some bars. Agility. We'll call it agility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Escape room puzzles are made for the mainstream so that everybody can do it. Some people will be stronger in certain aspects. When you get to some aha puzzles, mm-hmm. then, then, then it will become harder because some people will have no idea how to solve those. So it all it all depends. But it, it it is more apparent when you get to more difficult escape rooms. And when you start to realize uh, where your strengths are. Right. For roles, for overlapping roles. For overlapping roles. For overlapping roles. So it's almost like there are... Because we, we, for instance, as a team, probably don't have many overlapping roles. We can probably do. No, some I think of we have stuff. a lot of overlapping roles. Do we? Yeah. I don't know. For example, I can hold a light just as well as anybody else. Okay. <laughs> I guess if that's the role that. <laughs> <laughs> the lamp. Yeah, the I can be a lamp. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, so and and for example, for, okay, there's a role I can't do, and that's I have no dexterity. It would have to go to Ruby. She would right. definitely have to throw. Uh, the the ball at the net right right that's something i can't do there's another thing i can't do as well as ruby although but i can do it but not as well as ruby and that's navigating a laser field a laser maze right i wouldn't be able to do that as well as ruby could right and for instance i like i don't have that great of a visual mind so looking at trying to interpret pictures is often something i won't do because I know I can't do it as well as others in the room. But you probably could do it. For example, I don't want to do logic puzzles, but I can do logic puzzles. 
So there's an overlap there. I just choose not to do logic puzzles. So that's what I'm saying. So it's saying like that the overlap in roles is something is a quality of like a medium trust game. So does that mean that escape rooms are more towards the medium trust? No, I think it's still towards a high trust okay. because more aspects of it are high trust. Okay. But I bet. Just because the roles are low trust doesn't mean the other aspects aren't. But but at the same time, I think it could span. It just depends on the room. For example, if you get a, as I said, if you get a split team room, which I hate. <laughs> I actually, true. sorry, sorry. I hate split team rooms with randoms because yeah. all of a sudden you've brought the game even of a higher trust and then you put me in there with randoms. That's it's what big, I hate. Yeah, that's right. That's even a bigger example of the low trust team going into a high trust situation. Mm-hmm. And, then it's like, and then furthermore, you know what else? <laughs> you know what, what I actually just hate? Is that you're not only trusting your players, you're actually trusting the designer of the game. <laughs> I don't I don't know if this fits, but I just don't trust that they're gonna get it right anyway. And or did or did the GM so just, so just the decision to play an escape room is a high trust decision. <laughs> yeah. Like, did they reset the room okay? What do you think our rate is on proper resets? Um, or, or even 50? let's let's make even worse. Not only proper research, but no tech fails. Proper resets. <laughs> All that like forty percent. It's thirty percent. Yeah, success. I, it's I just I just don't trust rooms in general. So I don't trust newbies. I don't trust that the room isn't broken. Like the X Files <laughs> of escape room players. You're just trusting no one. I'm just trusting no one. <laughs> Oh, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> you will trust that I will freak out. That's something yeah, we can I will trust. trust. In. in fact, I, I, I kind of bank on that for my for my own trolling purposes. Yes, for yeah, my, for my own entertainment. Yeah, in the game that goes on in Errol's head <laughs> for all day. Yes. And I am going to. I'm not going to humble brag. You know how people say I'm going to humble brag. And then you realize, you no, just no, that flat just, that's brag, just brag? flat out bragging. What's yeah. the difference between a humble brag and a brag? There isn't. <laughs> they just want to feel better about themselves for bragging. That's all. I have had people do my escape rooms knowing that I was the one who designed it. And then they could trust it. Mm. And so I think there is a trust between you and the designer that it's going to be a good game. And so... I will trust a game, for example, let's say if Rob designs it, then right. I'm going to trust that it's going to be a good game. Good job, Rob. Yay. <laughs> we keep saying your name. Or for that matter, if Scott Nicholson has is has his hand in designing something, then I'm going to trust that it's going mm-hmm. to make sense. We, we, <laughs> we a... trust the tech from Panic Factory. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Wait, do we? Most of the time. <laughs> Except when it's our own machine. Yeah, except the, no, no. Actually, in the majority of the rooms, that uh, sorry, the, all the tech that happened at Panic Factory worked fine. Oh, except the one time it didn't work for the Geiger counter. That's a little bit. Oh, of a wait, spoiler. yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry, Hopefully, guys. they're not listening. I don't trust you at all. No, sorry. <laughs> they're gonna hate us. I do like this one where it says don't require a player with high activity or cognitive threshold to also pay attention to another player. In other words, if a person is concentrating on something. Don't make them also pay attention to another player if they're really in that flow. But that would be really hard to do in escape rooms. Well, not really. I think in a lot of escape rooms, when you're focused on something, then you can stay focused on it. And your team members will hopefully help 
help you try and solve that out, right? When we do our escape rooms together, and if you're working on a logic puzzle, I'm not yelling at you, <laughs> even though I, I, I probably should because I'm a troll, but no, I'm actually not yelling at you. Did you solve it? Did you solve it? Because you're concentrating on it and you're also not trying to keep your eye out to make sure a zombie's not trying to get me or something <laughs> like that, right? But there's like, like you said, that's there's that word, hopefully. Players have a lot of agency in this, so like... No, that's true. In that high trust scenario, you have your low trust players and there might be like, I think I have this piece of the puzzle. Like if they're trying to get your attention for that reason, they think they can solve it and they're trying to break your concentration so that they can give you this piece of information that may or may not be useless. That's Uh, true. That's probably, that is probably more on the players not to be able to see. Like when we did that one room where we were trying to figure something out and it was a split room. Again, it was a split room. I hate split rooms with new people. (laughs) Just so everybody knows, Errol hates split rooms. With <laughs> and new we're people. trying to solve things. And on the other side, all they were doing was just yelling things out. Found this. Oh, found this. That's right. Found this. I think I was there. Yeah, you were that. there. Yeah. And then after a while, we were just stuck. Yeah. And and then eventually, this person said, "Like, but I I yelled it out what I found." I was like, "We weren't paying attention to you. Just because you yell it out into the ether doesn't mean that you had our attention." And anyway, that's just that again. That's more team dynamics. So you're right. Or if you've seen that episode of Family Guy where they're playing Pictionary and the one guy just keeps yelling out the same answer, like that's how I picture some players I've played with. They're like, "It's a jackal, jackal. Did you try jackal?" Jackal, Jackal, come on. Oh, you didn't get it right or whatever. <laughs> Was it Jackal the first 20 times I tried it? It's not Jackal now. Sorry. Rant. Does that happen to you, Man Pans? Oh, yeah. I remember there was that one room yeah. where uh, they kept telling you and you you actually had the process. You already solved it. You were just doing the process part yeah, of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. And they were still trying to give you ideas. Yeah, yeah. And that was when I was just sort of like, okay, shut up! Because <laughs> that's my problem, is that I can easily get I can easily get derailed by somebody talking at me. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't uh, zone them out as well as you can. So maybe the thing is, when it comes to escape rooms, is that there are very, there are many chances for people to break a trust in an escape room mm-hmm. and there's very little that you can do <laughs> as a designer <laughs> as a designer uh, i don't know that's that's just like there's never going to be a moment in an escape room in which people do a task that has no bearing on the other tasks right like that's not the point the point is that they're all building towards getting that same goal getting out i think the only thing you can do i mean this is what we do for our escape escape events, we have people watch them. We right. have people watch. I mean, it's like a GM, but more so we actually have characters there watching in character and pretty much guiding them when it looks like they're breaking down mm-hmm. because of the game. Some players are playing it like a game. Some players, we're running it through them like a walking simulator. Yes. Basically, yeah. And that's probably your your best bet because we know that some people won't be able to to solve it. And and then also, we're also very specific on rules. That's another thing that we do. At the very beginning, I wanted to be clever in a lot of the 
a lot of the games that I created where I didn't want to write out, give them a task list. Mm. But in the end, it was that's what I did. I, I had to be as clear as I possibly could because everybody would just get confused. So that's, that's almost like giving people the information. Like they, mm-hmm. they have a set of information going into the room that they know about, right? Or mm-hmm. going into the experience that they know about. And I know some people don't like the whole task list thing where it's like you have to find this, then you have to do this, then you have to do that. And I didn't do it for all of it. I just tried to give them at the beginning to help them get started. It's like a Nancy Drew. You know, you can have junior. Haven't done that yet. (laughs) Yes, you can have the junior solver or the senior solver and then you get a task list. And if you're a junior solver, you have more things on your task list. Oh, yeah, it's a very detailed task list. (laughs) It's like, Go down the hall. Oh, did that? Oh, this is fun. <laughs> Checking things off. Pick up the phone. Oh, did that too. <laughs> um, I was just thinking. Whereas the senior, it's like solve mystery. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Solve, figure out who stole it. Oh, okay. It's a big check, but I'm sure it won't take me more than five minutes. <laughs> I was think. I'm thinking though. Like, I wonder if it's possible to give people rules. Because part of it is like the 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 low trust thing about people going in. Like, for instance, thing board games like Risk and Monopoly, you're all going in kind of with an even playing field. Kind of the same with with escape rooms. Oftentimes, we're walking in without a role. We're just we're ourselves, right? And we don't know our roles. And I wonder if it's possible to be like to have that to have them walk in in a low trust state and then gain a role halfway through or something yeah but the problem is you can't trust them to do their role properly a lot of people have always decided have this have have an idea as they want a saboteur of some sort in their their escape room and i usually say no "No, don't that'll be horrible (laughs) and i think that and there's a reason why i think it's a horrible idea is because in order to have a good saboteur game Everyone has to understand the rules um, almost perfectly. And then it's going to be a situation in which it's somebody like me who gets assigned the saboteur who has no poker face and no... Well, it's not even so much no (laughs) poker face. It's not knowing what the rules are. Right. So even if you explain it, and if you explain it in like a rule sheet, then you've lost everybody. Yeah. Right? That's just it. If you, There's no way to easily do it without losing everybody and it doesn't it doesn't matter in a board game to have a saboteur rule because through multiple playings of the exact same game people pick it up and then they then they get into the intricate um, machinations of political deceit and that's another and that's what makes it fun yeah but when you're in an escape room you only play it once yeah there's there there's no practice there's there aren't any examples you can follow to be the proper saboteur right because nine times out of ten you're not going to get a group who will say like oh let's do that again but now we know the rules like the exact same escape room again right they're going to play it once and be like oh crap that sucked or we didn't do that right well and that's why i think just never will (laughs) and that's why i think a lot of murder mystery games don't even tell the murderer that they're the murderer because they're gonna mess it up did we all, you always know who you are not, at least not, the ones i've played people have known some some do and some don't mm. so there are some that don't tell you that you're the murderer and you find out halfway through and then i remember playing one 
and and the guy was going around, am I? Am I the murderer? <laughs> See? I don't think so. You know. And we understand the problem with the role playing man pants, and we've seen this in our own events, yeah. is that nobody knows how to role play. No, that's true. not nobody. The majority of people come up to you and say, It says here on this secret letter that yeah. it's secret and I'm not I'm I'm and so I'm doing this. It says I can on this secret letter. What do you mean a secret letter that you're not supposed to show anybody? Yeah. See, it says I can do it. Secret. Can I have your dollar? <laughs> That will never get old for me. Yes. <laughs> so in the end, we understand it's very hard and we probably answered no questions. Probably but this is a no very questions. interesting... I think we posed some good questions <laughs> for people good questions. to consider. Cause and I if think... people didn't want to read through this really long blog post, I found it fascinating. It is fascinating. And I did like it. I just think I was, uh, I was driving home. That was when I read it. And I was in the passenger seat and... You know, my sister-in-law was trying to talk to me like, oh, yeah, just uh, like five minutes. I'm just going to read this article first. And then I was reading and then I started scrolling. OK, actually, I'm uh, maybe I'll just put it. Maybe I'll just read it later. <laughs> you could have talked to your sister-in-law about it. She would have been fascinated. I don't think she would have been fascinated. Yeah. No. Don't you talk to your friends or your family about all your nerd hobbies? No, I did have several at our bridal shower just... Uh, I had several questions of, oh, what an escape room? What is that? So, oh, wow. I, you know, Look I at did. you spreading the good so word. So I was spreading the good word. Like, oh, there's one in Sarnia. Don't play it. <laughs> Do not play it. For the love of God. I thought you have two in Sarnia. Or no, wait. No, no. That was in Sault Ste. Marie. No, it's just the one in Sarnia. Oh, is it still there? Still there. They're designing a new room, oh, I've been told. Oh, no. And uh, my friend Kelsey play tested it. So. And? Um, she said the puzzles didn't seem too bad. Oh, so, so they've improved. They might have improved. She said they've moved to a new location, so maybe, maybe they're they're a little more exciting now. I don't know, but maybe they've learned. Hopefully, hopefully, I probably won't be the one to test that. You theory should test out. it out, unless they remember you and hate you. They might hate me because uh. I emailed them too. Oh, you emailed them! Oh no! Give them my unsolicited. Did opinion. they even talk to you after that? Did they respond? No, no, they just said. This, I did, they did not. This is going to junk mail. But that's besides the point. We're talking about high trust, but I think it is interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I was tangenting, and I think it is. I think. We should explore, like, I think I'd love escape rooms to explore more of that to see how you can possibly get a team, a team of randoms to transition to a, not a high trust situation. Or well, it's already trust. a high trust situation. Okay, sorry. not But to get the team to a high trust state um, or to an efficient high trust state, that's probably impossible, but to maybe get them closer towards it. That might be possible instead of having them all Could bump be. into each Maybe other. Maybe we should ask people on should. our podcast if they have any ideas or what they've done. Yeah. Whoa, look we at should. that. There you go. Do we, we we don't have like a giggles and grunts um, episode, do we? No, I've we have a few coming, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. like. But we don't have any right now. We don't have any right now. If we now. do, then we can cut this out. Okay. But we don't. So hopefully we'll be able to hear. It's not called Giggles and Grunts. Oh, oh, what are we going to call it? I had an idea of calling it um, Need a Hint. 
Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, as yeah. opposed to giggles and grunts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost anything sounds better than giggles and grunts. And so now we're on to the section of Need a Hint stories from game masters around the world. Whoa! Yes. And we will hear from a few. I can't wait. We are yeah. collecting them. So if you have any stories about being a GM and and it can be as wild. You can even be anonymous if you don't want to oust anybody. Mm-hmm. Then that would be great. Mm-hmm. And we'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening in. By all means, remember to please comment. Please correct us. I know today's today's podcast, we were just going all over the place because we found it a very interesting article. And we'll post into the description. We'll post into the description where you can find this article because yes. I think it'll be an interesting one to read if anybody has any kind of uh, desire to build better games. Yeah. Usually I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you might have the desire to build better games as opposed to just listening to they're us just, They're rant. just waiting for their opportunity to like <laughs> stab us and, and tell us how wrong we are. Yeah, that's fine too. There you go. So you can talk us out, man, Pans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also... <laughs> Sorry. Wow, you're cracking easy today. <laughs> it's that face. That face you make is the one that cries. I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> Which face is that? I can't tell you now. <laughs> okay, you can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also email us at, email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook. Just click the like button. Uh, on Twitter, you can use the hashtag redivas, and we may or may not see it. Hopefully we will. No, no, we follow that. Oh, wait, no, I took off that search. Whoa. Oh, no, I, I look. I look. I was. I think I, I replaced it with Cryptex Hunt when I was looking for that hashtag. And remember, if you are going to be at Up the Game, May 8th and 9th... Mad Pants needs friends. I need friends. I would love to see you. I will be the one, the frizzy-haired girl in the room. She likes alcohol. With the alcohol and possibly a GoPro, to, you know. Oh, you can do interviews of people. Yeah. I'm you can say, hi, my name is Pan. I'll say that. My name is Pan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should do that. Take me, as you would say. I didn't say that at all. You would say that. I didn't say you that. Would, You're the one that said, date oh, me. Mister. I wanted you to do interviews of people about what they classy. thought about about the conference. And Those you scripts, brought it to dating. Yeah. Hello. I'll be. Good I'm grief. super excited because they're going to be talking about immersion. That's the whole theme of the whole conference. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh. So every panel is like around how to make your games more immersive. So I'm well, really excited. What you should do that. I've been reading an awful lot of things about experience and immersion. Yeah. Yes. I'm Me too. tired. Oh, good. So yeah. there you go. You can go and school them then. I'm going to. No, I am not. The, the speakers s- that I see there, I am not going to be schooling them. Why? Do they all have PhDs in immersion? They have PhD in running escape room yeah. immersion times and stuff. They, they do. They're really like they're really impressive speakers. Okay, so, there you go. But they don't yeah. have PhDs in immersion, I don't, do they? Does anybody? Well, there you go. There are some people that have a PhD in something that helps <laughs> in something. to understand the psychological 
and yeah, that so sort of thing. There you go. Um, oh yeah, and the last thing. Sorry, this is the longest outro ever. Oh yeah, we're we're the doing that. The other thing that I'm super. <laughs> the other thing I'm super excited about though, while I'm there, is that I'm doing the uh, prison escape in Breda. They're having a special English edition of their room. This is like the 100 player, 80 actor, three hour experience in a real prison or like at least an abandoned prison and i am so excited because it sounds like kind of like our events but with a bigger budget and i actually get to play it now and as opposed to you know have to run it so super excited do they give you dinner you no, know what i really I don't hope? think they do oh wait what if they gave us like rotten food or yeah, something <laughs> and they put it under the door that'd be really yeah, cool that would be cool like and then you can food. get your filing Thing and out the of a cake, or right? Out there, the file or I always the cake. wanted something where if you were doing a prison escape, and then you have to go and you get a visitor, and then you have a visitor that you talk oh, through a glass wall. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, so, okay. That's what I, I am do. raising my expectations. Prison escape. <laughs> and then I also had I these these ideas where you had to keep track of the guards' rotation. I was hoping for that. You actually, know, yeah. and that, or maybe maybe you can bribe the guards. It would be great if it was like. Arabian Nights, where if you get into prison, you have different guards that come by, and you have different ways to like. If you happen to get the the bumbling guard, you can probably fool him into letting you out. It's or true. if you get like or, the mean guard, you can maybe bribe or like the easily bribed guard or something. Or maybe they can give you, you know this soap bar has a shiv in it. <laughs> you, so when you do you the shower all, scene, I feel like they're not going to give us shivs. <laughs> I just, it's a... Uh, and then, you know, when you get to the shower part of the escape... Errol! About the prison escape, <laughs> no. and then you can escape then. I feel like that, they're not probably not going to, you know... Yeah, be my, that might be a bit much. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, as you can see, nothing will live up to Errol's expectations of a prison escape. Oh, no, that's not true. They probably have all sorts of... Uh, yeah. Anyway. We did one. Oh, no, you didn't do it. Yeah, sorry, I'm thinking about the, the escape room that I did where where they had actors, and it was really cool, but but they were, again, just mostly cutscenes, so yeah. it wasn't as... Mm-hmm. We didn't really have to do much with the interaction. Let's just say, I want to bribe a guard. That's all yeah. I want to do. I want to go... I want to hide in I the laundry. I want to get a visitor. It looked like there was a picture of somebody hiding in a laundry bin or something like I that. I want to, like, use a spoon to... <laughs> We'll leave you with the Rita Hayworth poster and then, you know, you can dig behind it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, too. Oh, dear. (sighs) Anyway, thanks, guys. Bye-bye.